the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless. Turn around and say hi to someone this evening. There, second book of the Bible, Exodus 6, as we continue through Exodus. While you're turning there, a couple announcements real quickly, a couple updates. Wasn't it nice to hear that voice again of Jim's? Yeah. Actually, I don't know if he's supposed to be singing, so he said he couldn't take it anymore. I said, you better not hurt your voice. So, but we are thankful. Um, most of you got an update as I spill water on myself. But um, they're expecting a full recovery from Jim. But, and um, so we're thankful for that. Thank you for praying for him. I know he's grateful for that. And, um, and we're just grateful for everybody that helps lead us in the worship as we worship the Lord. Um, Saturday morning, 9 to noon. Those of you who signed up to help with the uh, grounds, we're going to be doing that. And, um, and then also there is Operation Christmas Child sewing project that's going on. That's information from 9 to 1 o'clock. So there will be the Lord's workers inside the building and then the Lord's workers outside the building, and that's on Saturday. Sunday, 8.30, 10.30, so we continue in Matthew's Gospel. We're going to start the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, on Sunday. And so it's a wonderful study, so invite somebody out to Calvary as we journey through Matthew's gospel on Sunday mornings. And then Sunday evening, we will have youth from 6 to 8 parents. And so um, that's for middle schoolers and for high schoolers. And parents also, some of you, a number of you, have kids that are in the 5th grade. And, and really, the middle schooler is 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And what we do is, you know, once the kids, you know, get out of school, they always consider themselves in the next grade, don't they? And uh, so in June, what we do is, and we'll get a timetable out, but um, those going up into middle school um, can go ahead and do that if you're so ready for them. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the kids or maybe the parents aren't, and that's okay. Um, but if they are, they're, they're going to be welcome to go up on Wednesday nights once they're in sixth grade this summer starting in June. And what we usually do is have a barbecue over at the house and invite you parents, and you can come and meet those who work with the youth and, and uh, see what we do and hear what we do and, and uh, just kind of get a feel for the youth group. And so we'll, we'll be doing that again either in May or in June. It's just May and June are going to be real busy with everything going on. And um, so, anyway, we'll let you know about that. Um, also, just want to give you a little update on um, some mission projects, and uh, because I don't always do that, but one of the things that I um, help uh, a man here in this community, you've heard me uh, talk about him a little bit, Dr. Song, who is a, uh, up at the hospital, has been anesthesiologist for a number of years at the Northern Colorado Medical Center. And um, he's a man that loves the Lord. He's an absolutely incredible man um, that I met by accident, actually. He lives behind me, and there's a big, you know, pipe, water pipe that runs in between his house and my house, and it leaked and almost flooded my house, and I went over to his house and said, hey, do you know, you know, all this? And anyway, that's how we met, so... The Lord poked a hole in the water pipe so we could meet. And um, anyway, he, we got to talking, and, and I think I was telling him about the Lord, and he was telling me about the Lord. We finally figured out we were Christians. So um, anyway, as we got to know each other, he has been involved in, in missions, and um, he has helped establish hospitals um, in China and um, in, in the Far East. And um, he, um, it's just incredible what the Lord has used him to do. All the equipment, uh, this hospital that's about, you know, half the size of this, this church where they do open heart surgery. All the equipment came from Northern Colorado Medical Center. And to, to ship it over to China and to set it up and staff it with Christians and having to work with the underground church. 
and uh, all the patients for the last, it's be 13 years this year, um, and the doctors come from China in June, we'll meet again in June and talk with them and the stories that they have. <clears throat> and I'd like to maybe even bring them here and just share with you guys uh, a little bit if that's a possibility. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. And uh, they witness to all the patients, and they have an 80% conversion rate. And uh, he, the Dr. No, who is the head surgeon there I've talked to, he's never been reported yet. And, um, and he's had opportunity now maybe to go into North Korea and because they're so desperate for help. And um, so anyway, um, you know, we pray for them. And, and, and Dr. Song is a man of great prayer. He's a man of, of hospitality like I've never seen before. He always has people over from all over the world. He called me uh, last night, and I could hear music. I said, what's that music in the background? He said, oh, I have my friends from Denmark, you know, they play classical music. And he, he's always so kind. I, the love of Jesus Christ that radiates from him is absolutely incredible. And um, I go over to his house. You know, he's overworking his yard, and he'll wave me over. And, and then I come up with, back with stuff because he gives me things, you know. Here's a six-pack of Gatorade and some CDs and things like that. He's just that kind. And um, but anyway, we got some, uh, lead, leading up to what I want to tell you, um, we have some crates that are going out tomorrow that we've been working on to Cambodia. We have a man in the fellowship here that's been coming for about six months, and, and that's another miracle, you know, just how we met. He used to be a neighbor of mine. And, um, and Dr. Song said, I, I, you know, I got a guy that worked at the hospital with me, and, and uh, I think he's willing to help. And I went over there, and there was my old neighbor. And anyway, he's been coming here. He wasn't in fellowship, and he just loves it here, and, and he's growing in the Lord. And he's helped make these crates for incubators that we're send, sending and anesthesiology machines and, and all these things that are going to be heading to Cambodia tomorrow. So we're going to be getting those things loaded up, uh, trucking um, you know, business is going to take it over to New York and get on a ship. So would you pray that they get there? And I've talked to the missionaries. They've come, and, and um, you know, they have nothing. So when a, you know, premature baby is born, um, usually it ends up dying. Um, so this is a clinic, and it's a clinic run by missionaries, by doctors um, and um, nurses and incredible ministry that are there to, to witness and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's going to be taking place tomorrow. And, um, and so just pray these special crates that, that Keith makes, um, you know, they, they need to be airtight and, you know, the, the machines. Just pray that they're not damaged when they get there. And, um, again, just keep it in your prayers. Also, we got a couple of young men that um, are going to be heading out in the mission field, Harley Lowe. Uh, his son, Wes, who's in the youth group, and he's, I believe, a sophomore, going to be a junior in high school. He's going to be heading out next month to China to minister, and actually, I think, going through Vietnam or Cambodia and then up into China. So he's going to be ministering, and so we want to pray for him this coming month, Wes uh, Lowe, and, um, and just can sp- support him in his, his mission. And, and uh, he's going to be... Uh, opportunity to minister to to be able to hand out bibles and take bibles into china and some other things that they're going to do so we're praying for west and then there's another young man who's graduating high school in fort collins and i've known his family um i went to high school with his dad so that's been a long time and i went to college we graduated from csu together and um and um they've been in fort collins and they love the lord and they've coming over here they they just love Calvary Chapel and the teaching that the, the church does. And, and their son, Adam, I, I remember when he was born, and now he's graduating. And uh, he's going in the mission field to Lafayette this summer, and he, he uh, wants to go to Bible school. And he just, he's a neat young man. And uh, so we want to pray for Adam as well. And, and um, you know, he, he's a young kid that's special in my heart, and, and um I want him to be able to share with our youth group when he gets back, those kinds of things. So just some people I want to lift up, Wes and Adam, and if you'll pray for those crates that are going. Also, uh, hopefully we'll have some information for opportunity. We had planned a trip to Mexico 
um, for the youth group this summer. And as it began to be planned, it, it became obvious to me that it wasn't working out. And so I just kind of called it off until, you know, the, the doors will open up and, and uh, we can feel good about the kids going down being safe. But there, there's another opportunity we're working on, and, and um, I don't want to give you all the details till we know for sure. We're pretty sure it's going to happen. But Andrew and Laura Archuleta, who um, oversaw the, the high school group for a couple of years, just a neat couple. He got a new job last August down as the new district ranger for the Forest Service down in Sawatch, uh, down in South Park. And uh, so there's opportunity to, for them to go there and to minister and minister to some widows and get some wood for them and help yard work and things like that. It's one of the poorest sections in the whole state of Colorado is that area of South Park. And so it's a real opportunity for them to go and minister. And, and we have plenty of adults that are going to help and things like that. So we'll give you more information on that. As I talked to Andrew, I was supposed to talk to him today, but we kept missing each other. And um, Andrew and Laura, you know, they're doing well, and, and I know many of you know them and miss them. Uh, they're going to start a church down there. They don't know it yet. God hasn't told them. So, um, but it would be so wonderful to see a Calvary Chapel down in that area, to be started in Alamosa or Del Norte or, you know, maybe up in Salida, 45 minutes from them. There's no Calvary Chapels down there. And um, so if there's a couple that I believe that, um, would just be wonderful in starting something like that. I think it would be Andrew and Laura. Um, but they don't know it yet. So, um, <laughs> And I tease them about that. I said, two things, if you guys end up moving, you get this job. Number one, Andrew, you find some good places to go fishing. And second of all, you start a Calvary Chapel. So that's what I tease them about. And so just keep that all in prayer, all right? And so, Father, we do. We just come to you tonight, and as we just take five minutes out to, to see that you are working, and you're working through your people. And, and it may not be grandiose and, and known all the time, but I just pray for Dr. Song and all the work that he does, and the incredible heart that he has for you, the witness that he is of your love. And I pray that you would just bless him and encourage him and that you would strengthen him. And these the medical equipment that's going to this new clinic in Cambodia, that it, all the packages would get there and the crates safely, and, and Lord, no water would get into them or condensation or, or anything that would cause damage to the equipment. That Lord, that the people that receive it would be able to set it up. And, and Lord, more than anything, more than, than bodies being healed and and. and and babies having a chance to live, and, and how valuable that is, but more than anything, that souls are saved. As these missionaries who give up everything just to go there and minister, your, your, your good news and, and your love to others. And Father, these young men, Adam and Wes, that are going to be heading off in the mission field, we lift them up to you. And Lord, we pray for them. And we pray that you keep them safe and your hand would be upon them. And, and, and it's so wonderful to see young people that are excited for the Lord and willing to do that. And Lord, so I just pray that you would um, do a marvelous work through them. And, and that, Lord, that, um, that they would just draw closer to you more than anything. And you give them boldness to share your truth with others as they do go uh, to China, West, and, and up through uh, Cambodia or Vietnam. And, and Lord, that you'd be with Adam as he heads over uh, in the area of Lafia. And, and Lord, that you would bless him. And Father, we, we just pray for that, um, Lord, how you would use us here and the group going to maybe to watch this summer in July, that you would prepare hearts and, and Lord, that you would just uh, minister in a very wonderful way. And Lord, that you would just uh, prepare everything that we would be able to go and bless others and others that need just help and need to see that Christians love and care and, Lord, they have good news. And, Father, I do pray that, um, that you would just bless tonight's study and, Lord, so much to learn from. We thank you that Jim's voice is, is being heard once again. But, Lord, right now we want to hear your voice. And, Lord, we desire to just open our hearts to you as you teach us and we make application. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Moses and Pharaoh have met, haven't they? And as we saw in the last chapter that Moses gets to Egypt, and 
One of the things that Moses, that he was concerned about when God called him, you recall that Moses had been herding sheep on the backside of the desert for 40 years, and, and there on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, there would be that side of that burning bush, and Moses said, I will go and see this great side. And the Lord said to Moses, Moses, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. And so the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Moses, I see the affliction of my people, and I hear their cries. And I know what it is that they're going through. And Moses, I am who I am, and you go tell them that I am has sent you. And, and we know that as Moses was called to, to go to Egypt, and Moses, you're going to be the one that I'm going to use to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses began to, to say to the Lord, who am I that I should go? And then he would say that, suppose they don't believe me. Well, Moses, this is what you're going to do. Throw your staff down, and Moses did, and it turned into a serpent. Pick it up again, and it became a staff once again. And in his hand and arm turned into leprous uh, disease as he pulled it out of his bosom and then put it back under his robe and pulled it out and became whole again. And then I'm going to turn water into blood so the people may know that I send you, Moses. And then Moses said, well, I'm slow of speech. I, I can't go. And it would be the Lord that said, Moses, I'll send Aaron with you. He'll be your mouthpiece, but I'm going to tell you guys what to say. And so Moses finally said, I, I don't want to go. And, and, and the Lord, his anger was kindled at Moses because, Moses, I've chosen you to go lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. So Moses went, and he showed the signs to the children of Israel, and they believed that God had visited Moses and that he uh, had heard their cries. And I'm sure that Moses thought at that time, oh, good, you know, a big hurdle has been crossed. But Moses is going to be learning so much here, just as we are going to be learning those things as we look at the story of Moses. And as Moses, he he he. I'm sure that big sigh of relief, the people believe that, that you did indeed talk to me as he saw the signs that, that, yeah, here's the staff turning into a snake and my hand's leprous and now it's not and water turning into blood. But then it would be Moses and Pharaoh that met. And the Lord had told Moses that when you go to Pharaoh, you and Aaron, you come out of the desert there and you say, thus says the Lord, let my people go into the wilderness, that he's going to harden his heart. He's not going to let you go. It's not going to go well. And it didn't go well. So we saw that Aaron would throw down his staff and then it turned into, uh, um, as we're going to see later on, a snake. But the thing is, Moses, as he first went in chapter 5, and I need to back up a little bit, in chapter 5, as he said, let the people go, Pharaoh said, who is this God that I should let them go? I don't know this God of yours, and I'm not going to let the people go out into the wilderness to sacrifice. You're idle, and so I'm going to put a bigger burden on them. And so what Pharaoh did is he made a decree that no straw is going to be given to you to make those bricks. And, of course, it was the children of Israel who were being used as a labor force, a slave labor force, under the affliction of the Egyptians for their projects. And so they had a certain amount of quota of bricks they had to make daily and they would use straw to make those bricks and now they had to go out and gather that straw and they were gathering stubbles and they were having a hard time keeping the quotas and so they were being beaten and killed and so the children of Israel went to Pharaoh and said why are you doing this and Pharaoh said because you're idle because you don't have enough work to do because you want to go out into the wilderness and sacrifice so that's where we ended didn't we last time is the people came to Moses and they cried to Moses and Aaron and said you know what's going on things are worse and then what Moses did is he went to the Lord and that's where we ended and said the people are troubled and so here's the thing for you and I to remember that any of us that as we lead and as we desire to do what God has called us to do, maybe you are one that you lead at the workplace. You're a supervisor. Maybe you own your own business. Maybe as you lead in your own home. Maybe as you lead in a ministry. One of the things that you will find, and probably most of you have found this to be true, is that those difficult times will come. And sometimes people don't respond to us in a favorable way. And Moses is going to minister these people to these people for 40 years. He's going to be their pastor. And it's going to be a very difficult thing, a very uh, hard ministry. And there's going to be times where Moses is going to be a target. And I know that you can feel that way in life. I can feel that way. Sometimes I think I can just put a big target on my back when I come here or I walk out of here and I go and minister. 
It was Jesus, as we're going to see here on Sunday morning as we go through the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and he would say, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know, rejoice when you're reviled and evil speaking of you. And I don't know about you, but the Lord, he's still working that in me. And the Lord said, great is your reward when you go through that. And we know that as we are in this world, just as Moses is in Egypt, Egypt being a symbol of the world, that there's going to be those who will come down on us and those who will speak evil of us and those who will come against us. And it's not always easy. But Moses is learning a lesson. He went to the Lord. He went to the Lord in prayer, and that's something to always remember because it can be very discouraging. It can be very hard. And you wonder what's going on and why the attacks or why, you know, why are they coming against me? And you go and be strengthened by the Lord just as David did when we see in 1 Samuel chapter 30 where the Amalekites came in and took you know, all their possessions when David and his mighty men were gone. And took their families and kidnapped them. And they came back. And the mighty man of David said, Enough. We've, we've had enough. We're going to stone you, David. We've been pursued by Saul for all these years. And they were just tired. And, and they wanted to get rid of David. And it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And he would go to the Lord in prayer. And then the Lord, as he ministered to him, would begin to speak to him. And it's so critical that you and I do that. Because in those times, oftentimes we can react in the flesh or, or whatever it might be. We come up with our own solutions. But Moses is going to learn to be a man of prayer. And so as we open chapter 6, then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let him go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name Lord, Yahweh, and that's the name that he declared to Moses in chapter 3, I was not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land where of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers and I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage and I've remembered my covenant and so here Moses is saying you know what this is what Pharaoh has done he's troubled us and he's put a, a more of a burden on us and the Lord answers Pharaoh, uh, Moses and says now you're going to see what I can do Moses you have seen what Pharaoh can do. Now you're going to see what I can do. Because I have declared my name to you, but I am also known as God Almighty. And God had declared that name to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, as he, or chapter 15 of Genesis. He said, I am God Almighty, Abraham. And here's my covenant with you. And you see, it was Moses that he's probably overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed by you know looking at pharaoh and his power and the riches and of egypt and and pharaoh speaks and it puts a heavy burden on the children of israel where you know they're being afflicted and stuff and moses he's probably impressed with pharaoh and all the power that's coming out from him and he knows in and of himself he's no match and the lord is saying you know what moses get your eyes off of pharaoh and get them on me now and now you're going to see what i can do and maybe you're here today and you're thinking, oh, this difficult situation that I'm in. And, and you know, I, I look at it and it's overwhelming and it's big. And God declares his name to you. He is God Almighty. He is Almighty. Not Pharaoh. Not the world. Not that person or that situation that may be putting a burden on you. But he is God Almighty. And we, as we go to him... And we stand on his promises and we look to him and we desire to do what is right. Then we're going to see him work in a very powerful way. And he's going to show himself strong on our behalf. And so I'm God Almighty and I'm the one that had appeared to, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I'm the one that's going to keep the covenant and I'm going to rescue you. And as we read in verse 6, therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. 
I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Verse 7, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Notice here in verses 6 through 8, God says seven times, I will. I am God Almighty. I am the Lord that has declared his name. I am the one that made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm going to keep that covenant. So I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Verse 6. Now as he declared his name, Yahweh, I am who I am. You go tell the children of Israel, I am as sent you. Jesus comes along and he says, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. It is Jesus that comes along and says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he's the one that frees us from the burdens of the world, doesn't he? Jesus is the one that rescues us. Jesus is the one that is everything that we need, the comfort, the strength, the wisdom, the guidance that we need as we turn to him and look to him. And so he says, I'll I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. We live in a fallen, sinful world, and it brings burdens to us, doesn't it? The people of the world can be a burden at times as they come against us and as they make things very hard and difficult for us. But the Lord is the one who is our rescuer and our strength, and he's the one that will see us through. Second of all, I will rid you of bondage, verse 6 again. Jesus frees us from the bondage of sin, doesn't he? He frees us from the penalty of sin and then also from the, the bondage of sin that it can have on our lives. We don't have to be in bondage to the world, folks. Matter of fact, the Lord doesn't want us to be in bondage to the world and bondage to sin. And he's given everything to us that pertains to godliness in Christ Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts and we can turn to him. And when that flash in the world begins to rear its ugly head and tempt us, we don't have to be in bondage to it. And that's such great news because that's what sin does and the world does. It will keep you in bondage. And so Jesus came to free us from all of that. And, and we, we are a new creation in Christ. And, and we are ones that, as, as you read Romans chapter 6, we don't have to continue in sin. We can reckon it to be so that we are ones that we are instruments of righteousness unto the Lord. And, and we are ones that as the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, and that whole section of Romans 6, 7, and 8 is an incredible section of Scripture given to us that we really need to know that we walk in the power of the Spirit, not in the flesh. And as we do that, we're going to be free from the bondage of the world and the bondage of sin in our lives. Thirdly, I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm. I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm. Isaiah wrote in chapter 53, verse 1, speaking of the Messiah, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Speaking of Jesus. God has done an amazing work of redemption for us, hasn't he? God is going to stretch out his arm, verse 6, against the Egyptians and freeing the children of Israel from Pharaoh and from Egypt. Pharaoh isn't going to want them to leave. But we're going to see that Pharaoh, by the time that God's done with them, Pharaoh's going to want them to leave. You know what? We've been redeemed from the world, haven't we? And it was with the outstretched arms of Jesus as he went to Calvary's cross and he stretched his arms out on that cross and he shed his blood for you and for me. He has redeemed us to himself. He has redeemed us, purchased us, not with gold and silver, but with the precious blood of the Lamb, as Peter writes in his first epistle. Number four, I will take you as my people, verse seven, and we belong to him, don't we? Jesus said, my sheep know me and they hear my voice. We belong to him. And in the New Testament, I love how Paul, how he emphasizes to the Christians that we're now one in Christ. We're in this, this thing together called the body of Christ, the church. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you know that? And as we are brothers and sisters in Christ, as we believe on his name, he gives us the power to become the sons of God. And so, as John writes that in his um, gospel in chapter 1, we know that we are the children of God, sons and daughters of the living God. So number 5 and verse 7, I will be your God. He is our Lord. We have been adopted by him. We belong to the family of God. And so we can cry out, as Paul writes in Romans and Galatians, Abba, Father, 
In other words, we can say, Daddy. We have relationship with him. And just as my children come to me and they say, Daddy, you know, they do that because... I have a relationship with them. They don't hesitate to call me dad. They, they're not scared to do that. They, they come running up to me. And it's such a joy when I hear my children come running up. Daddy, they're glad to see me and I'm glad to see them. We have that kind of relationship with the loving father. So we can cry out, Abba, Father, you're my dad. You're my father. I'm your child. You're my Lord. He is our Lord and our father who loves you very much. And I will bring you into the land, verse 8 is number 6. I'm going to bring you into the land. And God would eventually get the children of Israel into the land, wouldn't he? But it took 40 years. And they're going to go to the mountain of God, as you recall in chapter 3, that Moses bring the children of Israel here where they can worship me. They're going to receive the law of God. And then they're going to go up to the border of the promised land there. And it tells us that as when we get into the book of Numbers, that when they get to the border of the promised land, that they were to go in and take the land. But what they did is they sent 12 spies into the land for 40 days, and those spies came back, and they said, look at these big grapes that we're bringing back. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's exactly what the Lord said it would be. And, and look at the fruit and, and all of this, and, and the people are excited. But then 10 of those spies would say, but there's a problem. There's fortified cities, and there's giants in the land, and we're but grasshoppers in their sight. And they're going to squash us. And it was Caleb and Joshua, those two, that said, forget about that. The Lord has given us the land. He gave us a promise that he'd drive out the inhabitants. We'll gobble them up. Let's go take it. But the people were crying out and wanting to stone Moses and Caleb and Joshua. Let's go back to Egypt. Why did you bring us out here in the wilderness? And the Lord said, you're going to be in the wilderness for 40 years now till this generation dies out. And for 40 years, lap after lap around the mountain of God because of disobedience and because of unbelief. And so Jesus comes along and says, I want to give you life and life abundantly. And you see, the Lord desires for us to experience the promised land, if you would. It would be Joshua that took him into the promised land, that, that land flowing with milk and honey. But the Lord desires for us now to experience that life abundantly, a, a life of milk and honey, if you would. He wants us to experience a life of blessing and experience a life of, of just peace and joy and true fulfillment and happiness and, and true satisfaction in our lives and a sense of real purpose. But so oftentimes Christians live their ex Christian experience out in the wilderness because of disobedience and because of unbelief. And we'll see that very clearly as we go through this. I'm going to bring you into the land and then number seven, I'll give you the land for a heritage. And so he's going to give them that land. And we're going to go to heaven, and we have an inheritance. We're joint heirs with Christ, and we have the riches of Christ that are going to be ours because we belong to the Lord. And so in verse 9 we read, So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. I mean, they were anguish, anguish of spirit. Your heart goes out to the children of Israel, doesn't it? Because things have gotten worse since Moses showed up. And in and they're experiencing death. I mean, they're killing the little babies, throwing into the Nile River. All of a sudden, this new quota, if they don't meet it, you know, some of the men are dying because of it. They're being, you know, whipped and flogged and beaten and all of this. So your heart goes out to them. But here's the thing. Something was going on at this time that we don't always realize. And that's the neat thing about when you read the Scriptures in the Old Testament, you can kind of get an idea as you put the Scriptures together What's going on? Because in Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 5 through 9, it tells us that at this time that the children of Israel were messing around with the idols of Egypt. And they had been worshiping the idols of Egypt. And so they had turned to those gods, those pagan gods and those idols. And so what was happening, that there was an anguish of spirit that was going on as your heart goes out. But they were turning, and there were some of them that were trusting in that which Egypt had. And that's why one of the things, if we get anything tonight, 
that as you go through anguish of spirit and, and, and you go through those difficult times because of what the world is, is dishing out to you, you don't turn to the world and, and the things of the world and, and the hope of the world. You don't turn to those things which are a false hope. You turn to the Word of God and you turn to the promises of God and you turn to Him and allow Him to minister to you and work in your life and to do a marvelous thing. That's where our hope is. It's in Him. And that's where our joy is going to be. And that's where we're going to have a sense of strength and, and a sense of, of uh, you know what, I have true direction and I have truth given to me. And I know that the Lord's going to work on my behalf and so I can count it all joy when I fall into various trials, as James would say. Because the testing of my faith is going to produce maturity and trust in Him and character in me is what it's going to do. Because God is true and He's faithful. Didn't we see that term over and over again in the book of Revelation? Jesus declared Himself to be the one that's true and faithful and He will be to you as you turn to Him and look to Him. And so in verse 10, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Or in other words, he's saying, I'm one that doesn't speak well. And then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land. And so we see here that Moses, go and do what I've told you to do. I know that you feel like that you don't speak well, but I'm going to tell you what to say, and I'm going to speak through you, and I'm going to speak through Aaron. You just go to Pharaoh and do what I've told you to do. And that's what you and I have to do each and every day as we're in Egypt. We just have to keep doing what God has told us to do. You keep fighting the good fight. And you keep the faith. Keep running your race. And keep doing what God has called you to do. And being a light in this world. So in verses 14 through 25, what you have is the family of Moses and Aaron, the genealogy that's given to us. And these are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanok and Palu and Hezron and Carmi. These are the families of Reuben. And the sons of Simeon were Jemuel and Jamin and Ohad and Jachin and Zohar and Shalyu, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the families of Simeon. Verse 16, these are the names of the sons of Levi. Now Levi... We're going to see out of the tribe of Levi is going to be where the priests and the Levites are going to be ministering. And so we have the families here that are given to us. It, the direct descendants of Aaron are going to be the priests. And then it's the rest of the families that are going to be Levites ministering at the tabernacle. But it, according to the sons of Levi, according to the generations, Gershon and Koath and Merai, and the years of the life of Levi were 137. And the sons of Gershon were Libni and Shibni, according to their families. And the son of Koath were Amram and Ishar and Hebron and Eziel. And the years of the life of Koath were 133. And the sons of Merai were Malai and Mushai. And these are the families of Levi according to their generations. Now Amram took for herself Jochebed, his father's sister, as wife. And she bore him Aaron and Moses. And the years of the life of Amram were 137. And the sons of Izhar were Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. And the sons of Uziel were Meshiel and Elsathon and Ethri. And then Aaron took for himself, in verse 23, Elishaba, uh, and daughter of Aminadad, sister of Nashon, the wife. And she bore him Nabad and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And then the sons of Korah were Asar and Elachnah, and then Abashaph. And these are the families of Korites. And then verse 25, Eleazar, Aaron's son, took for himself one of the daughters of Putiel as wife and bore him Phineas. And these are the heads of the father's house of the Levites according to their family. You say, so what? Let's pick out a couple of things here that hopefully are going to be a blessing to you. The family of Moses and Aaron, the priests and the Levites. The sons of Levi, verse 16, as we saw here, are Gushan and Koath and Merai, and then we saw their sons. These are the families that were given responsibilities in Numbers chapter 4. In Numbers chapter 4, we see that the Lord says, okay, the family of Korath, 
This is what you are supposed to do. You have these responsibilities as you're ministering at the tabernacle. Here is your duty. Remember the tabernacle was a temporary structure. And so whenever that pillar of cloud or pillar of fire would move, the children of Israel, they were camped in order, weren't they? We see that from Numbers chapter 2. They were to camp in a very specific way. Sometimes we picture the Ten Commandments movie, movie, Charlton Heston, you know, and they're leaving Egypt, and it's just this mass of people that are out there in the wilderness. They would go in orderly rank is what they would do. And when they would set up camp, the tabernacle would be in the middle, and then three tribes on the north side, three on the east, three on the south, three on the west, and the tribe of Levites were there at the tabernacle with Moses and Aaron because they were what? They were from the tribes of Levite. Now, as they're there, as God would move, then they would have to fold up that tent. And so here were the responsibilities. Korath, this is what you're supposed to do. After Aaron and his sons go in and cover the furnishings, that is, they went in and covered the shoe bread table, altar of incense, the menorah, and as Aaron went through the curtain, as he was the high priest and would cover the Ark of the Covenant, what you guys were to do is then go in and you were to carry those those furnishings. That was their responsibility. You recall that David in Second Samuel, he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He, he wanted to bring it there. And so he's carrying the Ark of the Covenant on a cart, and there's some guys around it, and the oxen slipped, and, and the Ark of the Covenant was going to fall off the cart, and one of the guys put his hand on the Ark of the Covenant, and God struck him dead. You remember that story? There's an important lesson in that story we don't have time to go into. Don't give God a hand, okay? But David was upset at God at first. But the Lord ministered to David, and David realized that he was wrong because it goes back to Numbers chapter 4, where it says that the Levites were to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and if anyone touched the Ark of the Covenant that wasn't supposed to, was going to die. And so they would carry it, and that's what David did. He had the Levites then go from the family of Koath that would then carry the Ark of the Covenant. Mary, I, what you guys are supposed to do, this family, is that you carry the boards and the pegs and the cords. Gershon, your family, what you're supposed to do is you carry the curtains, the animal skins and all of that. A very specific duty. And the Lord specifically told them, don't you, Gershon, think that you can go and do what Mary, I, is supposed to do. And Mary, I, you guys are carrying this peg, you know, and this board and say, ah, this is boring, I don't want to do this. I want to carry the Ark of the Covenant. That's what I want to do. The Lord said, don't do that. And it's a very important lesson for us because God has something for you to do and he's given you gifts that nobody else can do. He's placed you in places that where nobody else is placed right now. You are the light there in that place. And so be used of the Lord in the gifts that he's given to you. And that's why... It's emphasized in the New Testament that we're all members of this body of Christ with different gifts and different things that God has called us to do, that the body may function as our own bodies have different members. We have hands and arms and legs and noses and ears and all that, but it works together that the body functions, and that's the way we're supposed to be. In other words, what I'm saying is just rejoice where God has you and be used in that, and whatever He wants you to do and the giftings that he's given to you because ministry is doing simple things and and it may be a ministry of prayer. It may be a ministry of of practical helps. It may be a ministry of teaching. It may be a ministry of, you know, I don't know. But be sensitive to the leading of the Lord and don't look to somebody else and say, I want to do what they're doing where God has them. You know, God will take care of you and get you to where you need to be. And what he wants to do with you. And so that was their responsibilities. Notice also in verse 21, notice that Korah is mentioned here. And we're going to see Korah in Numbers chapter 16. You see Korah and Dathan and some of the sons of of, um, Reuben would come to Moses and Aaron and 250 leaders of the children of Israel. And they come to Moses and they said, Moses and Aaron, you take too much upon yourself. You think you guys are pretty special. Well, we're special too. And it was this spirit of rebellion from Korah and Dathan and and those leaders. And so they were challenging Moses and Aaron. And as you read Numbers chapter 16, what they were specifically challenging them in was Aaron being the high priest. You know what? We're special too. You guys think that you're pretty cool because you get to hang out here at the tabernacle and see the Shekinah glory of God, don't you? 
well, you know what, we're special too. And Aaron, don't you think that you're the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies? And so Moses and Aaron begin to pray, and the Lord said, stand back. As the fire of the Lord would come, the Shekinah glory of God would be shown. And you guys stay away from the tents of Korah and Dathan and those leaders. And the earth opened up and swallowed them all up. But not just those guys, but their wives and their sons and their daughters, and some of their livestock, some of their animals. Fido and Fluffy. There's a real important lesson in that. And that is in the spirit of rebellion. It does not honor the Lord. And when you start to think and challenge, you know, what God has placed in authority, whether it's at the workplace or in the home, one of the things I always tell the youth kids, you know what? Your parents, you're to honor mom and dad. I just thought you'd like to know that, parents. And you're to be obedient to them. And you're to respect them if it's authority in the church, whatever it might be. And if there's a spirit of rebellion that is in you, and, and unfortunately it happens in the body of Christ, you know what's going to happen? You're going to find yourself in the pit. In a pit of discouragement, in a pit of despair, you're just going to be swallowed up because the Lord's not going to bless it. He will not bless it when there's rebellion and I'm the one that's special and I'm the one that wants to see the Shekinah glory of God. I'm the one that wants to do this ministry when God has called somebody else to do it. You'll end up getting swallowed up. So Moses and Aaron, what you do is take a rod from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, put it into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, and which rod buds will be the one that you will know for sure that I've called to be the high priest. And it was Aaron's rod, wasn't it? So Aaron's rod was put into the Ark of the Covenant to remind the people that God had called Aaron and it was his descendants that were going to be the priest. Notice here as you speak about Aaron, Aaron here as you read in verse 23 that he had four sons. He had Nabad and Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar. It reminds me as you look at these of... Leviticus chapter 10. You see, Leviticus, when we go into that chapter, it's going to deal a lot with the priesthood and how to serve. They were to serve and worship and obey a holy God. Chapter 8 of Leviticus, here's the, the preparation and the training of the priests. Chapter 9 of Leviticus, here's the presentation of the priests. And the priests were coming out, beginning to sacrifice and do their duties. And, the, and fire from heaven, you know, would come. The, the Shekinah glory of God again seen. And the people saw the glory of the Lord and they shouted and they fell on their faces. Leviticus chapter 10, two of Aaron's sons, the first ones that are listed here, as we see in verse 23, Nabat and Abihu, it says that they lit their censers, profane fire, ran into the tabernacle, and then fire came from the Lord and consumed them. Burnt them up. Talk about being burnt out in ministry. The Lord would come to Moses and Aaron and said, Aaron, you and your other two sons that are listed here, here's the thing. When you go into the tabernacle, make sure that you're not intoxicated with drink, that you may distinguish between what is clean and what is unclean, what is holy and what is unholy. In other words, it seems to indicate that maybe Nabat and Abihu were drinking. Leviticus chapter 16, it tells us that when they lit their censers, what they were to do is to light it from the altar there that was outside of the tabernacle where they did the sacrifices. But what they did is they lit their own altars and they ran into the tabernacle. In other words, they wanted to get in in this holy happening. They wanted to take the glory away from God. They said, look at this, and, and we want to get on it. And they lit their censer and ran into the tabernacle. And God's word says in Isaiah, he will not share his glory with any man or any woman. You priests, when you go in, you light your censer on the altar. Let your light so shine before men, Jesus will say, as we will see this Sunday, that they may see your good works. And what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. And if you're going to light your censer, 
You know where we light it from? From the cross of Calvary, where Jesus was sacrificed. Just as the priests were to do it at that altar where the animals were sacrificed, speaking to Jesus as he was the fulfillment of all those sacrifices. You know what? You do your good works. Let your light so shine, but don't take the glory away from the Lord. And that's something that I have to remind myself every day that I get up. And Lord, I don't want to take the glory away from you because you're the only one that can save. You're the creator of the universe. You're the one that has redeemed us through your son, Jesus Christ. You're God Almighty, not me. And you're the one that deserves all the glory and honor and my attention. And you see, we do our good works to where they glorify God and not us, point people past us to him. And that's how we do our good works. And it's amazing as we go through Matthew's gospel, we're going to see how it is that Jesus, when he did miracles and stuff, the people glorified God. And so that's the way we are to do it. But in our society, so oftentimes we glorify men and we glorify those who are, you know, maybe we put them on a pedestal in ministry, those who have seen or seem successful in ministry. But always remember, the one that we glorify is the Lord. And you know what? That frees me so much to where I don't have to try to be showboat or try, you know, to, to be so dynamic or whatever it may be. I just want to do your works, Lord, and glorify you. All the glory goes to you because I'm slow of speech and I feel like of uncircumcised lips. And Lord, who am I that I should serve you? Who am I that you would even be mindful of me as David would write? And the Lord says that I'm your God and you're my child and I've redeemed you and I want to use you to bring glory and honor to me, to further the kingdom. And so that's what we learn from this genealogy. And so it ends in verse 25 and verse 26. These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. Now again, when they leave, they're going to go in orderly rank. In verse 27, these are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt, and these are the same Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the same day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? In other words, what he's saying again is, I don't speak well. I don't speak eloquently enough to go to Pharaoh. Who am I? And, and how many times can we feel that way, can't we? that the Lord perhaps puts on your heart and my heart, go and speak to this person. And we think, I'm not eloquent enough or you know, I'm not smart enough. But you know what, Moses, you go and do what I've told you to do and I'll tell you what to say. And it's the same with us. He will guide us. And as we are sensitive to his leading, as we are ones that you know, continue to grow in the knowledge of the word of God, that's going to come, what to say and how to be able to minister to others. But go. Go and speak to those that are in the world and allow the Lord to to use you to give a very simple message that Jesus loves you, that he died for you, and has eternal life for you if you come to him and believe on his name. As you turn to him and those outstretched arms, he has redeemed us as he shed his blood for you and for me. Well, I was going to do chapter 7. Let's stop there. Father, we thank you so much for this evening as, as we covered this chapter, and, and there's so much just in this one chapter that we can.